Hey y'all, and welcome back to another episode of Prairie Ramblings. My name is Amy. I'm so happy to be back here talking in my microphone, talking to you all. I've been crazy busy, as I know a lot of us are this time of year. Um, really needed some time to myself to just sit back, relax, um, take some time, and figure out what... Um, you know, plans I want for these next few months. As a farmer, uh, these months are really crucial and very important to rest and uh, take breaks, and so that's kind of what I've been doing. But I am really, really, really excited to release this podcast for you all. Uh, it's with a super amazing human. Uh, she, I talk about this in the podcast, but she... Um, has the only indigenous-owned, female indigenous-owned Native American kombucha company uh, in the U.S. that we know of, and it was really awesome to speak with her, and I've, I learned so much, and I've learned so much since recording this podcast about a month ago, and I, I'm just so excited for this to be out and hear her story, and um, listen to our discussion and things like that. Another note I have for this episode is that I did record it, we did record it over Zoom, and this was my first time doing an interview over Zoom, and I don't do many interviews, so, uh, it was, it was really interesting, and I feel like I sound a little awkward, so, just bear with me and the internet because we all know that things are weird and sometimes it's kind of hard to, you know, connect with others, especially a new person over the internet and like Zoom and in this format, it's, I've been trying to work on how to, uh, you know, just get more personal and, um, you know, just be able to connect a little bit better. Uh, through the internet is definitely something that I'm working on, and, uh, yeah, it's just how it is, and that's okay, um, but I still really enjoy the podcast, just wanted to kind of let you all know that it is recorded online, um, but Melinda is a really awesome person and has such big goals and has been achieved so much in her company, um, and as someone who has made kombucha for the past few years, and I used to sell it a little bit to friends here and there, um, it was it was such a dream to be able to talk with her. And I'm really excited to let you all hear this conversation that we got to have. So please enjoy this episode. Enjoy my conversation with Melinda from Morning Light Kombucha, and I will see you on the other side. Before we dive into the episode again, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Yellow Brick Yoga Studio in Lawrence. They were able to amazingly fill up my kombucha growler full of delicious morning light kombucha in pawpaw ginger. It is so spectacular. I love it so much. I want another. I already drank it. So, if you are in the Lawrence area, I highly recommend going to, or reaching out to Yellow Brick Yoga. They have Papa Ginger, at least right now, I think, when the episode will be released. Um, I went there one-on-one, and we both wore masks, and it was really great, and really awesome to have a conversation with somebody in the community um, that is also supporting a really great company. So... If you're in the area, check them out. Highly suggest. Uh, Morning Light also has a list of other vendors um, in the Kansas area. uh, And that can all be found on their website. So please check that out and go support. And once again, enjoy enjoy the podcast episode.
Today I'm joined virtually by the amazing Melinda Williamson, owner and operator of Morning Light Kombucha, which is also proudly the only Native American owned kombucha company. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's really great all that you're doing and I'd love to just hear about how you got started with making kombucha, how you got into that process, and just how that whole, whole journey started for you. Yeah, so it kind of all started about 10 years ago. Um, I had been diagnosed with an autoimmune illness, and so I was kind of looking at ways to heal with food. Um, at the time, I was working in academia. I was living in Oklahoma, working for Oklahoma State University, and life was really hectic. I was um, studied grassland ecology there, and so we were really busy, and I started to get really sick, and uh, we, I had a pretty good diet before then, um, but I was just, I just didn't want to be on a lot of medication, so I just yeah. kind of started looking at ways to heal. Um, with food. So I started just incorporating even more whole foods into my diet um, in kombucha and fermented foods and kombucha was one of them. So that was kind of how I was introduced to it. And at the time there was only two companies around um, that I could get their kombucha and that was High Country and then GPs. And so I just fell in love. <clears throat> and I've always kind of made I've always made my own stuff like my own body products like I cook a ton like I make I just love creating things you know yeah. so I could do this I could make this you know I have to figure out how to make this and that opportunity didn't come along for another five years before I actually found somebody that was um that could share like a scoby with me and so anyhow, like I said, I was um, kind of working, I was working in academia, I was a senior research specialist down there, and um, I wanted to move back home. Uh, my daughter was getting older, and it was really important that, um, you know, as she was, as she was growing, that she was closer to um, our culture and language. And so I moved back up here um, like around our reservation during that time. And before I moved, I knew that the opportunities for, um, continuing in academia, they were there, but it would be, you know, I'd be commuting to Haskell or KU, um, if I wanted to continue doing research I, or K-State, which is where I worked before then. And, yeah. um, so Anyhow, I was kind of just like, man, this this could be a really cool opportunity for me to pursue, you know, my own business, which is something that I've actually always wanted to do since I was younger. And so I, I kind of started this business plan and started these little, you know, saving money. And at the time, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I just knew that whatever... I did. I wanted it to um, create. I wanted to create something and sell a product that would benefit someone in some way, would, like with their health. Yeah. And so I was thinking about like green smoothies was my initial thought, and but I always wanted kombucha like as part of that. Yeah. Um, I never had thought about actually like launching a kombucha company. And I, so at, around that time I moved back home and I actually found somebody who was making kombucha and I'm like, I need this, you know? So I started yeah. making it and all the while, like working towards this green smoothie concept and it, what ideally was going to be a food truck and um, that would have kombucha on tap. And so anyways, that was kind of, once I started making kombucha and sharing it with friends and family and they started seeing health benefits, like I had seen health benefits, um, I just decided to go for kombucha solely and then save money and eventually hopefully be able to do something with green smoothies, some kind of cafe or food truck. 
That's yeah, amazing. So that's how I got started. Yeah. Healing with food is like a really great is a really great way to heal. And I, I think a lot of people, at least in my life, have healed themselves with food and with um, products like kombucha. Um, so that's that's really awesome. That's a like that's a really great like path to go down and it's cool to see you know how you've evolved and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. It was kind of just a no-brainer. Like, I mean, I was raised learning about medicines, so I knew how important it was, you know, to, you know, don't just flood yourself with medication, you know, from doctors and things like that when you're surrounded by medicines literally everywhere you you go, you know. Yeah. And when you start thinking about your health in terms of, um, what you're putting into it and what you can put into it and learning about what's around you. It's, um, it's just such an important component. And so yeah. I just kind of immediately what I, I was just like, what? I don't want to be on all this medication. Like there's just no way. So I've kind of, that's how I've been living. And, um, I mean, I've lived my life like that for the most part, but I've really, been really specific about what I'm doing to just keep like my inflammation and keep my autoimmune immune illness under control so yeah that's great kombucha is a great like ally to have on your side and is really awesome to curate and it's great that you can incorporate local foods and like foods that you can find locally berries and fruits and herbs and things like that and you can you know, take that and then also combine it with the, like, beautiful probiotic kombucha. Yeah. Yeah. Have you done a lot of, like, flavoring with local things? I've seen a few um, flavors on your profile, but I'm curious, like, how you've gotten inspiration and where you found things and just things like that. Yeah, so I kind of have a harvest calendar that I've created. I mean, it's I've added things over the years, but like we go out and we gather, there's some things I can't use, um, that we go out and gather. Um, but I kind of have just a little calendar of when things are starting to, um, be ready for harvesting. So we, you know, like wild blackberries out here, wild raspberries, chokecherries, gooseberries, um, I haven't done anything with goldenrod, although I've been harvesting quite a bit recently. I use it mainly, um, like for stabs and, um, just for my, um, like body butters that I make and things like that. And, um, so, but, um, what other things have I, do we get up here? Mulberries, apples, um, those are some of... And then, oh yeah, like sage, mint, um, yeah, just, just things like that. Yeah. Pawpaws. Yeah. Oh, I love pawpaws. Those are really yeah. good. So we have, um, it's, it's not ready. I mean, it's almost ready. Um, it's all caked up, but it, um, we probably won't release it for another week or two, but, um, we have this time we did pawpaw ginger so we always just do pawpaw by itself because i just really like to highlight the flavor of yeah yeah we know a lot about it but it's something that we go out and harvest every year for ourselves and it's you know like i learned about it from my grandpa when i was little it was one of his favorite fruits that he grew up here on a reservation and would go out and, and get it and so <clears throat> so we go out and get pawpaws and um this time I paired it with ginger and it's so good. Yeah, that sounds amazing. That's a perfect combination. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. so excited for that one. Yeah. So, yeah, so we have, those are kind of the, some of the things I can just think off the top of my head yeah. that we have right now. And so, that's it's great. Do you um, harvest a lot off the reservation or do you find, have other like um, areas? that you forage or I'm not sure what the like ecosystems are on the reservation that you live on or you know what is is it what's that diversity like 
Yeah, so all of those that I mentioned, um, I get up here. But sometimes when I know that I can get, um, I can get stuff other places, then I will. You know, like yeah. I have a friend um, who has a really good pawpaw spot around like the Overland Park area, like Olathe. He lives yeah. in that area, and it's kind of around there. Um, but mostly, really, it's mostly around here. Uh, you know, that I go out and forage, so. Yeah, that's great. I know, I know this area really well, so. Yeah. There's no need to go anywhere else. But of course. I mean, I will if, 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 if it's, like, scarce here and I know people that are out foraging and they know where to get certain things and. Yeah. yeah and get stuff. That's really and then great. Also, yeah, when I'm traveling, you know, if I know that I can get lavender or chamomile or something like that um I'll try to get whatever I can get like as I'm traveling and so yeah yeah so that's, that's really I, great I try to just keep my eyes peeled yeah yeah it's, it's also fun to do that and to you know collaborate with friends that have a good patch somewhere or you know know this one area that has this and can you know you can yeah. use uh spend that time together to um gather those items yeah, so did sure. Did you learn um, about uh, like foraging and like um, I'm you were talking about goldenrod, so I have a feeling that you're you know about some plant medicines. Um, did you learn a lot of that information growing up on the reservation from your family and people in that community? Um, a little bit, yeah, a little bit. Um, but really. I really started to get into it when I was in college. And so um, I was going to Haskell uh, for for two years and I took an ethnobotany class, or it was ethnobiology class. And um, a big thing that we would do is go out to the wetlands. Mm -hmm. I really, at that point, I actually, was I always had an interest in like biology and ecology and the world, you know, like um, the outdoors, but I wanted to do design when I was in high school and I'm like, oh, that's what I'm going to do, you know? Yeah. So anyhow, but when I started taking those classes and learning about plant medicines and things, um, it was just a game changer. <laughs> like, I never looked back. Like I switched majors. I went into wetland ecology at first. Um, and the guy who I learned from actually grew up um, on the Kickapoo and Potawatomi reservations. Okay. And I started just learning a ton from him, became really good friends with him. And we would go out and um, just learn about medicines. And it was just something that I loved and I picked up really quickly. Um, and started using medicines pretty regularly um, from that point on. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's great to find mentors like that early in that, like, um, development of, you know, understanding the plants and having someone to refer to is, is really, is really, really nice. Because um, there's a lot of times, I remember before I really knew a, a lot about plant medicine and just working with herbs and things like that, you know, and how to make a tincture. It was so confusing and so like, not scary, but just like, am I doing this right? You know, this and that. And once I found, uh, you know, one or two people or an herbalist here or there, I was able to ask, you know, those crucial questions and go on a few nature walks and, you know, just it's it's important to have that one-on-one -on -one experience with a mentor, especially when working with herbs. So that's yeah. that's really great, yeah. Yeah, it was really, really good. So I learned a lot from him, and it's just kind of continued. And luckily, you know, staying in the sciences um, and then eventually working in grassland ecology, you know, we, I spent tons of time and years and years outdoors and raised my daughter outdoors and learning a lot of these things. And I've been really surprised because she's 
she hasn't really showed a whole lot of interest over the years. I mean, she's always seen me making things and sometimes I'll drag her into the kitchen and be like, okay, I'm making this today. Or, yeah. hey, look at, you know, how this oil's changed over time after sitting here, you know, with this in it, you know, or stuff like that. And she'll, and we use oils a lot too. Um, and so, yeah, but she's starting to really get into it. And it's just the past like month or so I've really been noticing and, it's pretty cool. So yeah. I'm hoping that she continues continues with that. She's always wanted to be a nurse, but she can be a nurse and still know about plants. Yeah. And interest and love. And... So what kinds of, uh, you like to cook a lot of food as well. What And you talked about potentially doing a food truck at one time. Like what, what kind of foods do you like to cook with your kombucha? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, with my kombucha? Yeah, um, or just in general. <laughs> well, mainly with a food truck, it would be like a green smoothie food truck. Right. So, yeah, just, I probably wouldn't be making much but smoothies. Okay. Um, that's kind of as far as I had kind of got. And the, the whole big thing with that was just, you know, just making sure instead of having these like fruit laden, you know, smoothies, you know, every single one would have some kind of greens in it. You know, it's not going to be this, you can get a peanut butter, strawberry, banana one, you know? Yeah. And so, so that was kind of like, I had created all these recipes and it was just going to, you know, I was eventually going to have other things in there, but I really didn't even get that far <laughs> before I started, like, switching over to kombucha. Yeah. When did you fully decide to go full kombucha? <laughs> it was fast. Yeah. It was, it was actually really, it was, let's see, I started brewing, I got my SCOBY in the winter of 2014, maybe, or think and within maybe like two or three months I was like I'm doing this you know yeah. and so I just like jumped right in I didn't even know like how to keg I didn't know how to do anything I was just like I'm just going for it I had saved a lot of money up and I had kind of written this food truck plan which it was gonna be you know like twenty five thirty thousand dollars startup and yeah when I looked at the numbers, I'm like, man, I could start that for like $5,000 or less. Yeah. And, kinda, and I was like, I have that. So I'm just going to go forward with that. And so I just, yeah, I had just started that journey in 2015. And there was only, you know, a couple kombucha companies at the time. Um, and so it was just a lot of navigating, you know, just it took over a year, about a year over a year, yeah, to, to finally get licensed. I had to build, I actually built a commercial kitchen in my home. Um, oh my gosh. And so, yeah, in the beginning it was like, we didn't have a water filtration system in the basement. And so it was like hauling five gallon um, things of water down the basement, hauling kegs up the stairs. And yeah, yeah it was like a legit, I mean, we built it from there was I had just purchased a house that had um like all the framing done for a room downstairs and I was like they told me I didn't need a commercial kitchen at first and then on the last second they're like oh yeah you do need a commercial kitchen you're like oh back and forth because they didn't know what kombucha was so they're like they were looking at it more of like a like baked goods type thing where you don't have to have a commercial kitchen. So interesting. so we got to work and like got that going. And um, it was a lot of work the first year until we got into a space. But we, I was, I think yeah, I was producing a lot of kombucha in like a 10 by 12. It was 120 square foot space. Oh my gosh. And that way, yeah. But it worked, so yeah. we're in a lot bigger space, so. Yeah, I'm curious what your, like, production is like, just being someone who's homebrewed before. Um, and I, th- I think I remember, this was ages ago, seeing some sort of YouTube video or a video online of 
a really big kombucha company and seeing all these like jars just like on tons of layers in this giant warehouse and I was like what you know is this what it's really like like yeah I was like oh man this is intense you know yeah so we're very small we are we are really really small um we don't even do like 10,000 you know gallons a year we just we we do small batches our largest um batch like that we flavor is usually 55 gallons okay so um we do about a hundred flavors a year. We're constantly just kind of changing it up. So we're just pretty small at this point. I mean, our kitchen um, is a hundred or 1600 square feet now and it's getting tight for sure. But I just kind of look back to how much I was able to produce in 120 square feet. And I was right. like, yeah, some room to grow. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit more than this and I mean within this space before we have to get out yeah. but yeah we have been looking at larger spaces and so yeah we're just you know we're doing we're doing good in, in the space that we have but yeah we are we're very small we're nothing like that uh, you know those huge companies yeah yeah I figured but you know just curious so yeah. when you're for anybody who's listening who also makes kombucha and is curious, do you like ferment the, like you have the plain kombucha, right? There's two fermentation processes. I guess maybe if you wouldn't mind going over like what is kombucha and the process of making kombucha, I think that that might be informational for folks and how, y- how y'all do it in your setup. Yeah, so kombucha is a fermented tea. Um, it's rich in probiotics, health, like healthy um, organic acids, B vitamins, antioxidants. Um, and so the way that we, and, and kombucha is made up of tea, so we have, um, a, we have a brew that's primarily, or it's just green tea, and then we have a green and black tea blend that we do. And sometimes we'll do specialty. Like we did a yerba mate the other day. Um, Yeah. And so those are our primary ferments and we kind of use like the green tea we do for lighter flavors, like blackberry, um, where it doesn't like the blackberry sometimes doesn't come through. Like some of the, just really more delicate flavors we use green tea for, um, and more of the robust flavors like a ginger, we'll use like a green and a black tea blend. Yeah. And so um, basically we create a really um, strong uh, sweet tea uh, with our loose leaf tea and then we'll add our sugar and then we'll let it dissolve. Um, And then we'll add it to our fermenter and add the kombucha culture into there. And we, our primary ferments typically ferment from anywhere between four to six weeks. And then they're transferred to the secondary fermenters. And once they're there, that's when they're flavored with herbs or flowers or fruits or vegetables. And then once they're in the secondary fermenter, they ferment for an additional week to two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, so Great. that's kind of how, and then from there, we keg everything and ready to go. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. Um, and y'all also do, um, you bottle it in glass bottles, is that correct? Um, no, we actually, well, I mean, we don't do it. To this point, we've never done any prepackaged bottling. Um, sustainability is just always been like a kind of one of our core foundational values so from the get-go I just couldn't bring myself to package in a glass bottle that people were just going to throw away yeah um, so in our community we don't do glass recycling and in Hoyt where our brewery is they don't do glass recycling so to me it was just there's so many places that don't do it yeah and me I just couldn't I was like we we're gonna start off doing refillable bottles 
from, you know, straight off out the gate and that's how we're going to do it. And, um, and then the other thing was, is that we, we are so small that in, in the beginning, I mean, now it wouldn't be a problem for us to buy these massive quantities of bottles. But at the time it was like, I, I don't, I can't afford to buy like pallets of bottles and yeah. get a really good price on them, you know? Yeah. And then, to, you know, and even though we would offer, um, those bottles, like it had me prepackaged, we would offer them to be refilled, you know, at the farmer's market or wherever we were set up. People just, they like to throw things away. So yeah. it just, it wasn't worth it to me. And so that was something that we've never done. Um, however, as we've been growing, um, we just, I keep getting requests for prepackaged products. And we have been doing, we've been getting out of the state and um, networking a lot with other like native communities. Um, Just basically, yeah, I've been looking at ways to get the product to them and get into more native communities. Yeah. And so it was kind of like, at some point I'm gonna have to really consider prepackaged. So what I finally settled on was canning. Um, And so that is what we are working on and hopefully we'll be launching November, late November, maybe early December, we'll be launching our canned kombucha line. And even though it's not something that you can put a lid back on and save it or reuse it, um, people are more inclined to, in my personal opinion, people are more inclined to recycle cans cans are uh, like more easily um recycled in my community and i've seen more people recycling them so that was kind of how i settled i mean i i really struggled (laughs) i really struggled with that for a long time and so but i feel pretty good um i'm really excited about the launch and we're just waiting for our cans to to come in there's like a aluminum can shortage yeah <laughs> so yeah we, our stuff's kind of taking longer than than we expected it but yeah it's no good deal. yeah yeah to- i heard about that aluminum can storage actually because i was trying to buy lids for canning like canning tomato sauce or something yeah. and i went to i called everywhere in town and then I finally spoke with someone on the phone and they were like, oh, there's an aluminum can, or there's an aluminum shortage, haven't you heard? And I was like, what? No, you know, like this isn't most news that I hear of. So I can, I know that it's definitely affecting a lot of people, whether that's on the business or the consumer side. Um, so that's, yeah, but you know, it will come and I think it will be great. And it's really awesome that you're thinking of accessibility for other um, native communities and to you know supply your like awesome product which is like really great and I felt kombucha boost not only just like my gut health but just like my my overall health you know it really can be like a really good mood booster some days and can be really energizing and um but not like too energizing you know but in in a good way and so that's really great that, um, you know, being a company that's the only kombucha company that's owned, um, you know, and is in a Native American community, to be able to bring that accessibility to other communities is really awesome. Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, I just, I have seen a lot of benefits and it's like, if it can help me, it can help other people, you know, and it's just, it's exciting to be able to reach more, more communities. I mean, just communities in general, you know, in Kansas, Yeah. but native communities, um, where a lot of them are in food deserts. A lot of them don't have access. A lot of them have lost their traditional plant knowledge. Like they're living off commodities or, you know, there's things like this can be helpful when that's the diet that they have on a regular desk. Hey, Amy here, just editing this and wanted to jump in and say, just let you all know that in this next section, 
Melinda's going to talk a little bit about her family history and on the reservation and the different um, communities and tribes that uh, reside here in Kansas. So let's let's hear about it. Oh, also, one more thing. Sorry about my cat. She really wanted to join in on this episode, and in that last little bit we heard, you might have heard her meow a little time. A few times. Her name's Mia. I love her. I hope you love her, too. Okay, goodbye. Okay, so I am Prairie Band Potawatomi. Um, I live here on a reservation. Uh, I grew up in Topeka, um, and so... I mean, we were up here all the time, but I mean, so I was raised up here as well as in Topeka. Um, And I'm also Sack and Fox from Oklahoma on my grandma's side. Um, So that's a little bit about that. What else did you want to do? Tribes here in Kansas. There's us, the Prairie Band Potawatomi Nation, and then there's uh, just north of us is are the Kickapoo Kickapoo Nation, and then of Kansas, and then Sackham Fox of Missouri, and then north of them is the Iowa Tribe of Kansas. Awesome, that's great. Yeah, have you been able to supply um, like a lot of kombucha to your community, and do you think it's been like benefiting your community and the like other um tribal communities that you've been involved with like with just kombucha and getting you know having that being a starting point for that kind of conversation um yeah we actually so I have we have a refill station um on a reservation um at one of our gas stations cool and soon have another one at another gas station here that's right by the casino. Um, We were in the middle, I was actually like a week away from delivering a refill station to our health center here. Um, And that way, like West people are in the waiting room at the clinic, um, they could get a glass of kombucha or if they're I don't know with their anyhow I'm not sure exactly how they were going to do it but they're going to it was going to be offered at our clinic cool but then COVID hit and so everything was shut down and they're still not I don't even know if they're really allowing people in the clinic um you I mean with a with a if you have an appointment you can get in there but you just can't go in um so it's kind of limiting patients yeah yeah. I mean, definitely. And then I have a lot of, we deliver around here. So we've got a lot of um, customers in the community. And so that's great. I'm seeing a lot of great things. So yeah, that's awesome. Has um, everything with your business and COVID been going okay? We haven't really touched on that at all. Yeah. So it actually has been doing really well. We um, originally we were set up at the farmer's market and we were also in the winter time, we set up at, um, a coffee shop in Topeka yeah. so people need to get refills from us. But since then we've kind of, we've stopped that completely. Um, like I mentioned before, I work uh, for our language department. And so we were unsure, like when we were going to have, we only have one um, fluent speaker left in our community. And so, um, and then her apprentices are elders. And so I made the decision not to do any community events or do any um, farmer's markets just to minimize my exposure. Um, You know, we're trying, we've been trying really hard to keep COVID off of our reservation. So everyone just tries to be um, as safe as possible. Of course. It hasn't fortunately um, reached like our borders here. And so we've had a couple of deaths just recently of some elders just this week. So it's been really a hard, it's, it's been hard, definitely hard. Yeah. For small so um, what I have 
done instead is uh, started delivering. So we do a home, like a doorstep delivery for the Topeka um, area as well as Jackson County, which covers like our reservation and Hoyt um, and Holton, which is north of here. So we do deliveries and then we do a curbside pickup and that basically entails, you just kind of leave your bottles in your trunk and then we'll go get them and then fill them up and then switch them out. Cool. That's been working really well for us and it's just been good. And then um, we do a little bit of shipping and once we launch our canned kombucha line, we'll start doing like um, subscriptions and doing, we'll be doing like nationwide shipping. So cool. Allow us to like basically reach more consumers um, and get the product out there to yeah. more people. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you, what, if you're open to sharing, um, what is your plan for the, like, flavors of the canned? Are you going to keep it really diverse, like you've continued? Are you going to try and, like, have a new signature flavor, or, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, well, yeah, we we are. We'll have four signature flavors. Um, We're going to have a strawberry basil, a blackberry lemongrass, a ginger limeade, and a beet ginger lime. Oh, yum. And so then we'll also have, like... um, kind of rotating seasonals uh, or rotating flavors. So since we'll continue to be kegging and selling, you know, our array of flavors, we'll be able to can up um, those ones and, and that people will be able to get as well. So yeah. those just the signature flavors will be available like for wholesale accounts, like in grocery stores or, you know, different things like that because they'll have all the nutrition labels. But the kind of rotators will just be kind of canned and, and distributed yeah. directly to so. Oh, that's awesome. That's, that's yeah. really exciting. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so one thing that I like to talk about on the podcast is just like community involvement. And I feel like we have um, touched on a lot of those bases already. Um, but I kind of wanted to talk about, um, I know that you have donated a lot of money to different groups and organizations and charities and things like that. Um, and just like how you figured out who you wanted to donate to, how, you know, you got that community involvement involved with your kombucha company. Um, so... I guess I really, I kind of probably, I did kind of my business when I had this idea for a business and I really didn't know what I wanted to do. um, I really kind of built it from the foundation where I knew what I wanted my business to stand for, you know, and I wanted, I kind of created like these core values of no matter if I, did landscaping or I did, you know, helping people one-on-one. Like I knew that there were things that I wanted to have as part of my business. And one of them was giving back um, to native communities. So that was kind of built in from the very beginning. Um, The other one was sustainability and creating a business um, where our footprint was, we took that into consideration with every aspect of our business. so that was another and then the other thing well I knew I I'd say landscaping that's just like just a general yeah. thing but yeah I always had to do it was gonna have to do with food and so the other thing was working with local farmers and like sourcing locally supporting other local businesses local farms and um so that was another thing before I really knew exactly what I wanted to do I knew that I wanted to do that and so <clears throat> So how I've chosen to donate, um, it just it just really depends. There's some things that I know that there are issues going on, so I'm looking for ways to support 
you know, like when um, the Dakota Access Pipeline was being um, built and there was protests going on, you know, we took some youth up there. It was important, like, to not only, like, support it, but be involved. Definitely. So I looked for like legitimate um, ways to donate money for that. Um, And then it's just, yeah, I mean, then there's community events here that I can help out with. You know, there's community, uh, there's teams, youth teams that I've helped out. Um, And so I don't know, some things just kind of catch my eye. Um, Sometimes it's just, things going on in the world that I'm really passionate about. And so I try to find out ways to support those things going on. And so, yeah, yeah, that's really great. That's kind of how that's evolved. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, that's, I think it's really, even though you're not, you know, this big company, I, it feels like you are, it feels like you are, have a lot of, cool niches in a lot of great areas um but it's great that even though you know you are relatively smaller compared to other companies that you're still having that sort of um you know moral ethics behind your company and really sticking to that um that's that's really great yeah um So another um, question that I uh, like to ask on the podcast is, um, I know that you've probably spent a lot of time in the prairie, and um, what is one of your favorite prairie moments that you've had here, just in the prairie, whether that's a Kansas prairie, I'm sure you've been in a few different prairies, but what is like a memorable moment for you? So, yeah, I mean, there's, I did research on Kanza um, out in the Flint Hills um, for a year or so. I would say hmm, there's so many good memories, but before I started studying grasslands, um, I studied uh, reptile behavior. So when my daughter was young, like really young, Uh, just a baby I would always I just have her on a little backpack so we'd be out outside um, looking for lizards mainly lizards uh, great plains skinks in particular and so those are some of my favorite moments of just being out on Kanza you know flipping rocks my daughter's on my back and just hiking like hiking in the grasslands or in the Flint Hills and yeah yeah that's probably I I keep a picture of her because my backpack was one where it it was like the little stand like I don't know how to explain it but when she was little you could like I could set her down and it was the backpack like opened up into like where she could just be kind of sitting there and yeah kind of like a frame it has like a frame to it yeah yeah that's like yeah so when we'd stop and she'd give her drinks and stuff and so anyhow but I have a picture of her just sitting like in in the grass like the the that was short grass but yeah just kind of hanging out in her little yeah so oh that's really cute have you been able to do a lot of grassland work um, recently since you have gotten into the kombucha business or has that kind of been? No, yeah. no, not at all. Yeah, not at all. Um, I've just been focused on the business. Yeah, so. that's great. Yeah, unfortunately, I miss it. I miss, I miss doing research like terribly, but... I love like the freedom of having my business and being able to do, you know, like, I don't know, just being able to do what I, I want to do. And so, yeah, yeah. I miss it. Yeah. I, you know, you can probably, it's still in your brain, you know, the knowledge is still there. So I'm sure you can still utilize it in some ways whenever you're out in nature and, you know, things like that. But 
That's cool. I mean, kombucha is, is just as important in my mind. <laughs> so it's such a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, awesome. What are some ways that folks can, like, hear about your kombucha, get in contact with you, follow you online if you have social media, things like that? Yeah, so you can follow us um, at Morning Light Kombucha on Facebook or Instagram. Um, you can also find us on our website at morninglightkombucha.com. And on all three of those platforms, you can um, shop in order from our online store. Or you can access our online store. And if you you can find out all the locations because we're in Lawrence, Manhattan, Topeka, um, and then up here north in Mayetta. But um, you, yeah, you can find out where you can find kombucha there. Awesome! That's great! Yay! There's so many locations that everybody can choose from. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and keep an eye out for our, when we launch our canned kombucha line, which will hopefully be in November, but I'm just, yeah, we'll hopefully be December. It'll be launched and active and you'll be able to, to find it somewhere. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll have to keep my eyes peeled and hopefully some of our listeners will too. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking some time today to talk with me. It was great learning about your process and your business and the awesome things that you're doing. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Well, thank you. It was great to meet you. Yeah, you too. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Prairie Ramblings. I really hope that you enjoyed and were able to learn some things today. Some ways that you can connect with me through the internet is on Instagram at Prairie Ramblings. You can find tons of photos and I bake a lot of bread and make a lot of weird creations all the time. Uh, so if you want to follow that journey, please go on over there. And if you feel like giving my podcast some support, write a review if you feel like it. Share it on your social media if you feel like it. Whatever you want. It's up to you. But that would be a really great way to support me and this little venture that I'm doing. Hope you have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you on the next episode.